the House come to order if members can take their seats. This budget is a huge job maker, and the number one solution to economic insecurity is a job. Hungry children can't learn, and it's our responsibility to try to help. Equality and opportunity. I believe most people are here because they want to do some good. Welcome to the 2023 legislative session and welcome to Capital Ideas. It's the podcast where members of the majority House Democrats in Washington State sit down at the Capitol and talk about ideas. The last couple of episodes featured members of the leadership of the House Democratic Caucus. We're shaking things up today by talking with Representative Clyde Shavers of Washington's 10th Legislative District, who's been a lawmaker for a whopping 18 days as we record this. I could tell you more about Clyde, but we'll cover the details during our conversation. That took place on the afternoon of January 26th, 2023, and if you'll stick around for another 13 minutes, you can hear the whole thing. Here goes. Welcome to Capital Ideas, Representative Clyde Shavers. This is your first time here because this is uh, only your third week as a state representative. I'm really pleased to be able to get to know you. Uh, You're from the 10th District, live in Oak Harbor, and represent uh, two or three counties here in Washington State. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Yep, uh, the 10th Legislative District encompasses all of Island County and then portions of Skagit and Snohomish counties. Island County is actually composed of Whidbey Island and Kameno Island as well. And in terms of Skagit County, we have uh, South Fidalgo in the Mount Vernon area. And for Snohomish County, uh, spans from Stanwood down to Lake Goodwin and east to Arlington. Absolutely beautiful. It is a diverse area with beautiful landscapes, farmlands, islands, beaches, small towns, and um, amazing, amazing people. Do you have Deception Pass in your district? We do. Deception Pass is one of the most visited parks uh, in Washington State. Yeah, it's, it's beautiful. Let's get down now to your assignments here in the legislature. You're the vice chair of the Education Committee. That's pretty unusual for a freshman to have that spot, I would think. How are you enjoying that position of responsibility and authority? Education has always been a passion of mine. My chair, Chair Santos, is an amazing mentor, amazing colleague. And like you said, it's been uh, three weeks so far, and I've learned a lot from her. Uh, Being able to positively affect the lives of so many children in creating an exemplary school system, I mean, that's a dream. And, And more importantly, That is a responsibility. And so I I am working as hard as I can, uh, staying up late at night to make sure that the bills that we pursue, the pieces of legislation, they will all affect our children in the most positive way, in the most equitable way. Uh, And it's just amazing to be in this position, and I'm honored. Your position on the Education Committee dovetails with at least one of your bills, I know, Um, You're also on the Capital Budget Committee and the Innovation, Community, and Economic Development and Veterans Committee. We'll get to those in a minute, but I want to ask you about a bill you've got that has a lot to do, I think, with your work on the Education Committee, and that is the bill to establish the Purple Star Award here in Washington State. That's right. Yeah, so House Bill 1346 
that establishes the Purple Star Award. We had a hearing a few days ago, and the support was astounding. The Purple Star Award provides recognition to schools that support our military-connected children. And on average, a military-connected child um, attends six to nine schools throughout their K-12 educational experience. And as we know, that causes significant challenges and barriers to our military-connected kids. I mean, that includes um, difficulty in reentry, social and emotional difficulties with uh, connecting with peers. It means differences in curriculum, and it also creates stress for our entire military family. So as families travel across the globe and throughout the U.S. in protection of us, we should ensure that our school districts are doing everything they can to help our military-connected kids. The commitments um, that these Purple Stars schools will provide is school liaisons to our military-connected kids, information on school websites, and professional development training for our staff members, and resolutions that inform incoming military families that we are military-friendly, that we will do everything we can to help your child as you protect us. And that bill is seems to be on a uh, kind of a greased track towards passage. That's right. This is a bipartisan bill. All members are supportive of this bill. And I'm just so honored to be able to share this amazing um, bill with everybody. Another bill that you've got has to do with flexible working hours for peace officers. And I have to admit, I didn't read that bill. I read the title of the bill. But this is your chance, I think, to explain it a little bit. Yes, this is part of um, my priority to support our public safety professionals, those who do everything they can to protect us each and every day. So House Bill 1413 encourages individuals to remain as police officers. A lot of times individuals um, retire from law enforcement because of the demands, the personal demands that are placed on them. We see this with mothers, new mothers, where they cannot afford 12, 14 grueling hours every day. So this bill allows and encourages police departments to provide flexible work hours so that our new mothers or anyone else who has demands, other demands, can stay as police officers and devote themselves to public service. What kind of response are you getting from departments around the state? Amazing responses. This is a companion bill to Senator John Lovick's bill as well. And so both of us are working together, talking with police officers, police chiefs, sheriffs across the state to make sure that is this bill the right approach to ensuring sufficient staffing in our law enforcement? And we are hearing a resounding yes. I want to point out that Senator John Lovick used to be Representative John Lovick. He was a 31-year veteran of the Washington State Patrol, and I believe he served a couple of terms as Snohomish County Sheriff. So that's a very good partner to have on this bill. Senator John Lovick, with experience in Olympia, as like you said, as a representative and now as a senator, he has a wealth of knowledge. And I look forward to continuing this amazing work with them towards supporting our law enforcement professionals. And you've got a couple of other bills now that we haven't talked about. And one of them has to do with something that I think would be real key in your district. Well, in fact, both of them would. But, but uh, there's a lot of agricultural land in your district. 
and you've got a bill that has to do with farms and trying to keep them locally owned. That's right. House Bill 1412 relates to the purchase of our agricultural land. And so this bill prohibits foreign governments and foreign corporations and businesses from purchasing our farmland. This bill is actually brought forward by farmers. And I think this is is a very important bill um, because of three reasons. One, we need to protect our farmers and farm workers. They care for our land. They care for our community. And my job is to make sure that we care for them. Two, we need to make sure we have food security. You know, as foreign corporations continue to buy more land across the U.S., it's threatening our national food security. And so my job is to make sure that in Washington State, um, our local farmers are feeding us. And finally, equally important, is environmental protection. Like I said, our farmers care for their land, and they care by farming in sustainable and regenerative agricultural practices. These, these three approaches are amplified by ensuring that our farm land, our agricultural land, stays with our local farmers. And yet another bill that does have to do with the 10th district as much as any other district, I would think, in the state, because it has to do with veterans, and your district is packed with veterans, it has to do with the property tax exemption. Tell me about that bill. That's right. Yeah, House Bill 1560 is an expansion on the senior and disabled veterans property tax exemption. So currently we do have a property tax exemption that covers seniors and disabled veterans. But unfortunately, with rising costs, the current piece of legislation does not cover or adequately cover these two important groups of people. And so my bill serves to expand that exemption by increasing the income level 10% by ensuring that income assessments are done not every five years, but every three years. And so by doing that, we're ensuring that those who are on this property tax exemption plan remain on the plan, but we also include more people, more people who are struggling each and every day. And so I'm very proud of this bill, and I'm looking forward to having a hearing and looking forward to hopefully passing it uh, in the House and Senate and signed by the governor. Time is limited here. You've got other appointments. But before I let you get away here, I do want to give you a chance to talk about one more thing, which is a controversy that followed you to the legislature and that I think you have been attempting to explain, to put to rest. And rather than me framing that, I will allow you to talk about the situation and talk about how you are dealing with it. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to share my side of the story. I appreciate that. It was never my intention to mislead anyone, um, but I can certainly understand how uh, some people might have felt that way. And so I just want to apologize from the bottom of my heart um, for the confusion that I may have caused. But the truth of the matter is, I did graduate from the U.S. Naval Academy. I commissioned in the nuclear submarine community, and I did graduate from Naval Nuclear Power School, and I did train at a naval nuclear reactor plant. I did that two years, two years in the nuclear submarine community. However, the redirection in terms of where my passions lie brought me to public affairs. I served six more years in the Navy as a public affairs officer, having been stationed in the Middle East and Southeast Asia. It was a honorable, meaningful, rewarding time of my life. I have been involved in numerous global crisis events, like the collision of USS John S. McCain in the Malacca Strait, 
while I was stationed in Southeast Asia, like the event where our U.S. sailors were captured by Iran off of Farsi Island while I was stationed in the Middle East. I have worked for six years building relations with countries across the globe in humanitarian assistance in islands across the Pacific, Micronesia, the Marshall Islands, in countries across Southeast Asia, in Vietnam, in Thailand, Indonesia, Philippines, Malaysia. And I have worked side by side with amazing sailors, soldiers, airmen across the Middle East as we worked to ensure that our home, that the U.S. remains safe. So I'm, I'm proud of being a veteran. I'm proud of the people I've served with. And serving in the U.S. Navy is the most honorable thing I have ever done in my life. Quite frankly, this whole situation is very difficult, and it goes to show um, how human our legislators are, how human our public servants are. And as everyone can see, I'm in the middle of a very public falling out with my family. And I know that many people go through similar ordeals, but rarely does it happen in public, on newspapers and across media outlets. I decided to run for public office to try to break through the divisiveness, the polarization that we see today that rips families apart, communities apart, and frankly, that's ripping our country apart. When I was serving in the Middle East, I saw the dangers of what happens when people turn ugly against each other solely on ideological differences. But what gives me hope is that while I was serving across the globe, I saw that people can work through differences, differences that that are so fundamental to that individual, they can still move together towards a common goal. I want to inspire a new generation of young public servants, of young leaders to come after me and say, I can make a difference. I can bring people together. And so while my father and I have serious ideological differences, I'm not giving up. My job is to pursue legislation that helps everyone. I don't have any way to top that, Clyde. I think this is a perfect way to end this podcast. All I can say is I admire you, and I'm glad to have gotten this opportunity to help people know who you are. You've been listening to Capital Ideas with Representative Clyde Shavers of the 10th Legislative District, and I think this was a good one. Thank you, Clyde. Thank you for having me. Well, that, my friends and fellow Washingtonians, is Representative Clyde Shavers, and this has been Capital Ideas. If you're a subscriber, thank you and congratulations. If you're not, you can subscribe on all the usual podcast platforms or by visiting housedemocrats.wa.gov and hitting the media button up at the top of the page. Never forget, this is your state government. The more you know about how it works, the better it can work for you and the more it can reflect the values that you believe in. I'm Dan Frizzell for the Washington State House Democrats, putting people first since 1889. Thank you for listening.